Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie Pollyanna from 1960. The studio was Buena Vista Productions, which was basically Disney's production company. The release date, May 19, 1960, with a running time of 134 minutes, and it was in color. The budget was $2.5 million, and the box office, well, I don't have the original totals, but I read where Disney made a profit, but the film wasn't as successful as they expected. Leonard Malden from his classic movie guide gives it 3.5 out of 4 stars, and his quick little synopsis is, Disney's treatment of Eleanor Porter's story is first-rate as the glad girl who spreads cheer to misanthropes of a New England town, including her own Aunt Polly, played by Jane Wyman. Fine direction and script by David Swift, excellent performances all around. Haley Mills was awarded a special Oscar for Outstanding Juvenile Performance. It was first filmed in 1920 with Mary Pickford, and it was remade for television in 1989 as Polly. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 86% fresh from 14 reviews. So Pollyanna is a film that I enjoyed as a kid, but I appreciate it much more now as an adult. The film's underlying message is essentially to be a kind person. It doesn't take much effort to be nice, and the chain effect of kindness is almost always positive. And as a kid, I enjoyed certain scenes, but it felt the film was a bit too long. Now, watching it as an adult, I kind of disagree with my kid self. <laughs> as I will share shortly. All right, let's get into the main cast. Of course, Haley Mills plays Pollyanna. She came from an acting background because her father was a famous actor named John Mills. Pollyanna was only her second movie, with 1959's Tiger Bay being her debut with her father. So after seeing Haley Mills in the movie Tiger Bay, Walt Disney's wife and her friend discovered Mills after seeing that film. Walt then saw the film and agreed she would be great for Pollyanna. And after Pollyanna, Mills would be a staple of live-action Disney films. Jane Wyman plays Aunt Polly, and Wyman had been acting in films since the early 1930s and was a well-regarded star by 1960. She was also married to the actor and future President of the United States, Ronald Reagan, from 1940 to 1949. Who's President of the United States in 1985? Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan? The actor? Then who's vice president? Jerry Lewis. I suppose Jane Wyman is a first lady. Well, wait, Doc. And Jack Benny is secretary of the treasury. Doc, you gotta listen to me. Wyman was mostly in smaller roles until her breakout came in 1945 for The Lost Weekend with Ray Milan. Her notable films prior to Pollyanna include The Yearling with uh, Gregory Peck, Johnny Belinda, Stage Fright, which was a Hitchcock film, So Big, Magnificent Obsession with... Rock Hudson, and then Miracle in the Rain. Carl Malden plays the Reverend Paul Ford, and Malden's film career started in the 1940s with his big break coming as Mitch Mitchell in A Streetcar Named Desire, where he won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. He was in the 1953 Hitchcock film called I Confess, and then had another amazing role as a priest in On the Waterfront. Other films prior to Pollyanna include Baby Doll, Fear Strikes Out, which was the Jimmy Pearsall story, and Time Limit. A new generation of viewers would discover Malden from his work on the TV series The Streets of San Francisco with Michael Douglas. The additional cast in this film is also terrific. You have Nancy Olsen, Adolph Manju, 
Agnes Moorhead, Richard Egan, and the Disney stalwart Kevin Corcoran. The director was David Swift, and he began his career as a screenwriter and then a director for TV shows. Pollyanna was actually his film debut as a director. Swift started with Disney at the age of 15 in the art department, and he served during World War II, and when he came back, he was hired as a live-action director. Disney liked how he shot his TV shows and gave him a chance to direct Pollyanna. All right, let's get into the making of the film. Without Haley Mills, this film simply wouldn't work as well, or frankly at all. Granted, the entire cast is excellent, but Mills is the catalyst. The director, David Swift, supposedly auditioned over 300 girls for the part of Pollyanna, but Mills was by far the best, according to him. Her performance was Oscar-worthy, in my opinion. The term Pollyanna sort of had a negative connotation of sorts, you know, kind of a person so charming and optimistic you can hardly stand them. The thing about the character, though, is that it isn't forced. She's generally that person. There are people like that. They just have a, a general optimism about them. And what's unfortunate is they are looked down upon for not being miserable like everyone else. If you look for the good, you'll find it. And if you look for the bad, well, you'll find that as well. Pollyanna was originally a novel published in 1913 and was a huge success at the time of its release. The first film version, as, Le as Leonard Maltin said, was with Mary Pickford and was a silent film. David Swift loved the basic premise of the story, you know, a child teaching adults the basic principles of humanity. It's somewhat naive and simplistic, but it works because of it. He also adapted the book for the screenplay. So here are some of the differences between the movie and the book. So in the book, Pollyanna talks incessantly to almost overkill. In the movie, she makes her point often succinctly. However, you must remember that these early books were written before, really, the advent of technology as entertainment. And they could be incredibly wordy because it was one of the only forms of entertainment around. People would find enjoyment out of a long, wordy book. British-born Haley Mills loved the American food that was on set, and she recalled that even her scenes seemed to have food constantly around her. As good as Haley Mills is in the film, she gives tons of credit to the amazing veteran actors that were part of the film. It was really a perfect ensemble. All the kids on the film, by law, needed to have a minimum of four hours of schooling each day. This made shooting a bit tough for the director, but this was a way of life if you were going to shoot films with children in them. So the film was shot in Santa Rosa, California, which is about 45 minutes north of San Francisco. And it had the authenticity of the early turn-of-the-century look. And the costume designs were just excellent. All right, let's get into the film. So the film takes place in the early 1900s in a fictional East Coast town. Immediately, we're introduced to Jimmy. That's Kevin Corcoran, who is a typical young boy looking to amuse himself any way he can. In this case, he's rolling a giant metal hoop all around town. He finally loses control of the hoop at the train station and then is lectured by the train conductor to stop with the horseplay when the trains are arriving. So you might know Corcoran from his other Disney films like Old Yeller, the original Shaggy Dog where he played Moochie, and then the Swiss Family Robinson. Arriving from the latest train is 12-year-old Pollyanna, played by Haley Mills, who is picked up by her Aunt Polly's assistant named Nancy, who is played by Nancy Olsen. We find out immediately from one of the snobbish townspeople that Pollyanna's missionary parents both died, and instead of being placed in an orphanage, she's going to live with her Aunt Polly, Jane Wyman, who basically owns the town she lives in. Director David Swift had Pollyanna growing up with her parents in the West Indies, and this was actually done to cover Haley Mills' English accent. So Pollyanna arrives at her Aunt Polly's house, which is a mansion, and Pollyanna is overwhelmed with the size of the place, not surprisingly. She meets her aunt, who is very uptight and aristocratic. 
She's not rude per se, but she likes things done her way. For example, she almost immediately tells Pollyanna to adjust her posture and isn't impressed with her plain dress. And she doesn't seem interested in anything that Pollyanna's parents taught her. Pollyanna is also introduced to the town's reverend, Paul Ford, played by Carl Malden. Everyone that works in the house is uptight and nervous, as nobody wants to upset Aunt Polly. From the cooks to the maids, they all seem miserable, but they don't want to lose their job. Pollyanna gets a room that almost seems like it was once the attic, but she doesn't seem to mind even though there are plenty of empty rooms that she could have been given. At dinner, Pollyanna nervously spills her glass of milk on the table and then asks if Aunt Polly ever eats steak and ice cream. This leads Aunt Polly to ask if she didn't like the food they were eating. Now, Pollyanna was just innocently asking because she's 12 years old, but then she brings up that her dad used to say if they were as rich as Aunt Polly was, they'd eat steak and ice cream every day for dinner. And Aunt Polly isn't thrilled with this and tells Pollyanna she'd rather not be reminded constantly of what Pollyanna's father used to say. Aunt Polly also runs the lives of her staff as well, as she saw Nancy hugging George Dodds, James Drury, who is courting Nancy. Aunt Polly doesn't like him and says she'll fire Nancy if she continues to see him. So even though Aunt Polly is probably the coldest person ever, Pollyanna doesn't let it bother her. And we learn what it's like to be a Harrington. Pollyanna, I think we should talk about you and your position in this community. Do you know why it's called Harrington Town? My mother said it was named after my grandfather. That's right. And everyone in this town looks to us to set a good example in the way we conduct ourselves, in our duties and manners, in what we think and even what we say. So we must be good examples for everyone in everything we do. Is that clear? Yes, Aunt Polly. Just remember our family position and conduct yourself properly and modestly. Oh. You mean what I said before? I understand that now. I'll never say that again. You understand what? About the money. I'm not supposed to be glad we're so very rich. Huh? Well, um, I think it's time for you to get ready for bed, young lady. May I kiss you goodnight? Please? Kiss you? Mmm, I love you, Aunt Polly. Aunt Polly is not used to any sort of affection, as we notice from her amazement that Pollyanne would want to give her a hug. In any case, Aunt Polly can't have a niece looking like a missionary and decides to take Pollyanna shopping for a whole new wardrobe, which leads to a montage of shopping. Think when Julia Roberts went on her spending spree on Rodeo Drive in Pretty Woman, except this is a tiny shop that Aunt Polly takes over. Pollyanna ends up meeting Nancy's beau, George, though Nancy tries to say it's her cousin Fred, but Pollyanna knows who it really is. And she likes George, and he takes them to ice cream. Nancy! Something's come up. I'm going with Mrs. Tarbell. Would you please take Pollyanna home? Yes, madam. Oh, I'll take that box, Pollyanna. Now get into the car, miss. Oh, Pollyanna, will you please get into the car? We've simply got to get home. Oh! George, stop it. Oh, Pollyanna, you don't know my cousin Fred, do you? Your cousin? 
cousin Fred. This is Pollyanna Whittier, Miss Harrington's niece, the one who's come to live with her. Oh, oh, that one. Hello, Pollyanna. How are you, honey? Fine, thank you. Good. Well, uh, how about this? Running into you after all these, what's it been, six years? Say, how's your ma and pa? Well, they're just fine. You know, Pollyanna, I don't take too much to relatives. But this girl here, she was always just like a sister to me. I tell you, I love this cousin. Will you cut it out? <laughs> well, look, uh, what are you girls doing? How'd you like to go down the street and get a great big dish of ice cream, huh? Oh. Oh, no, that's a rotten idea. She probably hates ice cream, doesn't she? Oh, probably. Who, me? Oh, no, I love it. Really? You do? Well, now, isn't that astounding? How'd you ever develop a taste for that awful stuff? Oh, no, really. I really do love it. I... Well, I know a wonderful place. Come on, girls. Follow old cousin Fred to the land of strawberry frappe. Unless you'd rather go down the street and have a beer. You're funny. <laughs> this leads to Nancy and Pollyanna being late when they get home, but Pollyanna takes the blame knowing that Aunt Polly hates George, and this leads to Nancy warming up more to Pollyanna. Now there's a town meeting, and Aunt Polly has most of the town at her house due to the pipes bursting in the town's orphanage, which is causing havoc and leading the mayor to blame Aunt Polly for the negligence of the building. The mayor wants the orphanage rebuilt, but Aunt Polly doesn't want the building touched since her father donated the building and feels like it's a town landmark. To further complicate matters, Dr. Edmund Chilton, that's Richard Egan, who's the nephew of the mayor and Aunt Polly's ex-boyfriend, has just got back into town, and he agrees the orphanage should be refurbished. However, the townspeople are too afraid to speak up since they don't want to upset the golden goose of the town, which is Aunt Polly. The next day, Pollyanna goes to church with her aunt and hears the good old fire and brimstone sermon from the Reverend Ford. And part of the reason for the hysterics was due to Aunt Polly telling him not to be boring with his sermons. Carl Malden plays this perfectly, and all of the people watch and sit uncomfortably while they're being lectured that if they don't live correctly, they're going to hell. Pollyanna is actually more amused by the orphan boys in the back of the church who are horsing around with a frog they snuck in and untying the ribbons of girls' hair that are sitting in front of them. Death comes unexpectedly, and the God Jehovah will execute his vengeance on ye who despise his dying love and trample his benefits underfoot, the unconverted soul. The foolish children of man do miserably delude themselves in the false confidence of their own strength and wisdom. Now the great king of heaven and earth will abolish and annihilate this pride. Will crush the hardened wretch of the polluted infinite abomination and rain on him a deluge of fire and brimstone. And the dread judge has the key of hell. He shuts, and no man opens. In hell, you will be reserved in chains of darkness forever and ever. This place of atonement, of damned souls and misery, with nothing to relieve you, no comfort, but the everlasting, infinite convulsions of misery forever. And who is man to think he can withstand God's mighty wrath? Yea, he can lay the earth to pieces in one moment. 
or shatter the whole universe with one stroke of his fiery sword. This is the dismal case of every soul in this congregation who has not been born again, however moral or strict, sober and religious you may otherwise be. There is no security for the wicked because there are no visible signs of death at hand. Unconverted men walk over the pit of hell on a rotten covering. And there are innumerable places on this covering so weak they will not bear their weight. A soul doomed to the everlasting bottomless pit of a divine wrath. Yes, death comes unexpectedly. Amen. Even with all that pontificating from the Reverend, Pollyanna always has a charming way of cheering people up. This is a common theme with her. So while the critics of this movie bash the syrupness of the main character, there's a lot to like about her, and honestly, we'd all be better off if we had a better attitude about life instead of being miserable all the time. What'd I tell you? He sure sermonizes something fierce, doesn't he? Brimstone and damnation on top of ham and eggs. The one day a week we have off. I hate Sundays. Ooh, I just hate them. Breakfast's still a hot ball in our stomachs, and him chewing our ears off from that pulpit. We gotta have roast chicken, though. I'm glad of that. Are you gonna start that all over again? Glad this, glad that? What is all this glad business you talk about? Oh, just a game I play. What kind of a game? A game my father taught me. Helps sometimes. Helps what? When things aren't going so well. That reverend. <laughs> away from the peas. Folks just away. hate the coming of Sunday because of him. Do you know why I hate Sunday? Because it means the starting of another week. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's when you can play the glad game. Here it comes. Miss Goody Two-Shoes is going to find something about Sunday to be glad about. Oh, lay off her, Angie. Oh, stop it. If you knew how to play the game, then you could find something to be glad about, too. But you don't. Huh? All right, Miss Smarty Pants. What's so good about Sunday? Well, there's always something. Huh? You can be glad because... Well, because what? Because it will be six whole days before Sunday comes around again, huh? <laughs> Walking home, Pollyanna goes by the orphanage and meets Jimmy, who makes quite an impression. He did, too. Why else would it be there? Shows you are very juvenile. You aren't so much, you girl. Besides, I'm something you can't be. I'm an orphan. Go away from me, please, little boy. Go away from me, please, little boy. What is it you want? I want to go fishing. You want to come along? Aren't you supposed to use a hook? I don't have a hook. So they have fun hanging out by the river and watching the random cows walking around. Pollyanna also runs into Dr. Chilton and asks him what he and Aunt Polly fought about when they were younger. 
And we find out from this conversation that Aunt Polly was far less uptight when she was younger. And we can only assume the breakup with Ed led to her becoming more cold-hearted as she grew older. After the lake, Jimmy wants to take Pollyanna to a property that is off-limits since it's owned by a supposed scary guy named Mr. Pendergast by Adolph Manju. He allegedly kidnaps people and puts them in his basement if people trespass. The reason Jimmy wants to go to Mr. Pendergast's house is that he has the biggest and best tree to climb, according to Jimmy. Pollyanna is less than enthused when she finds out she was brought all this way for a stupid tree. But she agrees to give Jimmy a boost to climb the tree. That is, until Mr. Pendergrass finds them and grabs Jimmy and takes him into his house to punish him for being on his property. Pollyanna gets away but comes back to rescue Jimmy and, and then tells off Mr. Pendergrass. Mr. Pendergrass is amused about the rumors about him and lets the kids go. In reality, he's just a lonely old man, but the kids don't realize that. However, Pollyanna is smart enough to realize he's probably playing up the rumors to keep people away from his property. As always, Pollyanna has a way of just getting people to like her, and Mr. Pendergast is no different. She notices crystals that cause a rainbow effect when the lights shine off them. Meanwhile, after his little talk with Pollyanna, Ed decides to visit Aunt Polly at her home to see if she feels the same way about him after five years apart. You can tell she still has feelings, but won't let herself go there. So then Pollyanna is roped into handing out gift baskets for, to those less fortunate, as Aunt Polly feels it's her duty to give back. The problem is, it doesn't come off as genuine, and the townspeople can feel it. Pollyanna's last stop is the infamous Miss Snow, played by Agnes Moorhead, who hates people even more than Mr. Pendergast. <laughs> With Agnes Moorhead, everything she was in, she stole the show. And in Pollyanna, it's no different. She was easily one of the greatest character actors of her generation. She played the original Margot Lane on the Shadow radio show. She also played Endora on the TV show Bewitched. In any case, even Miss Snow takes a slow liking to Pollyanna. I said, I'm too old and too smart for that old soft-fed pal of well, I should say You so. just turn that horse around and head out from underneath this covered bridge right now. I'll bet that cool his heels. You should have seen his face. <laughs> More coffee? Oh, please. Awful quiet in there. I wonder what's going on. Oh, more to your left. To your left, you silly girl. What's the matter with you? Now, there, there. That's not bad at all. Not bad? It's gorgeous. I think it was a fine idea. Oh, don't be taking credit. I suggested stringing them up there. Why, Mrs. Snow, that's a fib. It was my idea. It was my idea to use the string. You didn't know how to do it till I suggested the string. You're impertinent. I don't like you at all. I'm sorry. When are you coming back again? Tomorrow, I guess. I'll see you then. Oh, if I'm not in my grave. Bye. Bye. All right, Nancy. Goodbye, Millie. Goodbye, Nancy. Goodbye, Pollyanna. Bye. But don't stand there. Go on and fix a cold pack for my headache. Go on. Go on. Yes, Mother. After leaving Miss Snow's house, Nancy and Pollyanna discovered that most of the townspeople have finally decided to stand up against Aunt Polly and raise money on their own to refurbish the orphanage by throwing a town bazaar. This is essentially like a big festival for those that aren't 120 years old. Pollyanna decides to ask Mr. Pentagast to help out with the bazaar and even convinces Jimmy to come along. 
What are you doing back here? Oh, just came to say hello. Tell you something about your prisms. Well, what about them? Well, aren't you going to invite me in? Invite you in? <laughs> no more privacy than a goldfish. All right, come in, come in, but you can't stay long. Can he come in too? Can who come in? Jimmy Bean. Come on. Don't be a scare, baby. Well, why didn't you just invite the whole town while you were at it? Oh, I just wanted to show Jimmy the rainbow on your wall. Do you mind? Huh. All right, go ahead, go ahead. Kids, drive you crazy. Stop the other. I think so a man can't call his home his own anymore. And where do you think it comes from? So this is a piece of glass. Explain it to him, Mr. Pendergast. I've got work to do. Don't you know anything about refracted light there, boy? It's the sunlight coming through. I'll do the explaining if you don't mind, little Miss Know-It-All. Now, boy, you see here the... Don't they ever cut your hair in that darn orphanage? I like it the way it is. Look at you. So much hair, you look like you're wearing a coonskin cap. Let me go, will you? <clears throat> anyway, about the refracted light. Oh, yes. Now, pay attention, boy. You see the shape of this crystal? That is a prism. The light is stripped by that angle. That refracts the ray, splits the colors, diffuses them at an oblique angle, and bends it out into a dispersed color band. You understand? What he means is, the sun comes through here and paints a rainbow, you see? Oh, I understand. Can I try it once, please? Go ahead, but don't break anything. You should see what that does. Let's try it. All right. Oh, no, I've got work to do. We have some wire or a piece of thread. We could string them up across the whole window. Oh, we could, could we? Do you kids think I've got nothing better to do than to play silly games? Well, don't stand there looking at me like that. There's string in that box over there. Go and get it. Go and get it. Oh, dear. It's really funny to see what amused people before electronics. When people said it was a simpler time, well, it really was. It's part of the reason why novels were so much longer, again, way back when. 
This was the only source of entertainment before the advent of audio technology and then motion pictures, and people would be patient reading a book that was 500 pages. Today, it's rare you can get someone to read 150 pages, or even a newspaper article, or an article online. It's sad how fast-paced everything is, but I digress. After getting Mr. Pendergast on her side, Pollyanna visits Miss Snow. Now, I'm not trying to sell you the brass, but it is durable. Now, the silver's pretty, and I think you're right about the brass. Oh, I don't know. I just can't make up my mind. Of course, the effect of silver is always in good taste. Hello, Mrs. Snow. Well, where have you been, you naughty girl? Oh, I'm sorry. I've been helping for the bazaar. Hello, Mr. Mug. How do you do? What do you got there? Don't bring those dirty rags in here. Get them off my bed. Oh, they aren't dirty rags. They're patchwork squares. Mrs. Golferson made them. I thought perhaps you'd like to stitch them together to make a patchwork quilt for the bazaar. What an impertinent child. Listen, you just take them right out of here. I'm not going to do anything of the sort. But everyone's helping. Mr. Neely, the Julians, and even old Mrs. Thurm. Oh, she wants me to work in my condition. Don't bother Mrs. Snow, girl. She's a very sick woman. Well, I thought it might give you something to do instead of just lying around. I mean, the bazaar's for an awfully good cause. Well, it's a waste of time. Nobody will come to it. You wait and see. That's right. Why not? Because, because of your aunt. That's why not. Well, I don't understand. Well, we do, don't we, Mr. Merg? Indeed we do. Well, now, about this white satin. I think it's lovely. This, this is my first choice. And I think the best one. Yes. It'll look, look lovely against the brass handles. Yes. Are you having a dress made? Don't be impertinent. I'm picking the lining from a coffin. That's right. But you're not going to die. Does she have to be here? Go on into the kitchen and talk to Mildred. Now, now this satin is lovely. Well, it's all settled then. Thirteen yards of the white satin at a dollar twenty the yard. And the brass coffin handles. Well, all right, all right, write it up. Stop frowning at me like that. What's the matter with you? Well, it's just that... Well, a person shouldn't think about dying so much. I don't want you to die. Oh, bless you for that. Seems everyone else can't wait. <clears throat> I'm not supposed to talk about my father at home, but I guess it's all right here. My father used to say, a person should think about living. Why don't you go outside and play? Hush up. I want to hear what she has to say. Yes, Miss Snow, yes. It just reminded me about my father and the doll. You see, I always wanted a doll, but we never had enough money for things like that. My father was a minister. But surely he could afford a little thing like a doll. Well, he couldn't. We had to have the money for food. Oh, for heaven's sake. Shh! So anyway... My father wrote to the missionary people and asked them to please send a little second-hand doll. Well, it was a funny mistake. When the missionary barrels came, instead of a doll, they sent a pair of crutches. Well, of course, I was rather disappointed, so my father made up the glad game. The what game? She's been pestering folks all over town with this sunshine and happiness thing. Hearts and flowers, enough to make you sick. Hush up! I want to hear it. Certainly. Anyway, about the crutches, my father said, don't let's be gloomy, let's try and find something to be glad about. So we made a game of it, the glad game. The glad game. So anyway, we played the game, 
And after a while, I forgot about the doll and being gloomy. And you know what? I found a reason for being glad. But there's nothing happy about a pair of crutches. Well, we were glad that we didn't have to use them. Why must you bedevil this poor dying woman with your childish, silly little stories? I just thought you could play the game. You could be glad you don't need this horrid old coffin. You could help others by making the patchwork quilt for the orphans if you wanted. You ought to forget about dying and be glad you're living. Oh, I don't care what you do. I'm not going to come and see you anymore. I... I didn't mean to hurt her feelings. She's serious about it, isn't she? Oh, please, please, Mr. Merg, leave me alone. I'm sorry if I've... Please. Please leave me alone. So even Pollyanna can get upset, and it even made Miss Snow decide to stitch together the patchwork quilt. And even though the last scene could feel heavy-handed, it really isn't. There are so many people who are afraid of living, so they are miserable to everyone around them. So while Pollyanna could initially come off as goody-two-shoes, who would you rather be around? I'll take the person that sees the good in people every time. Back to the movie, Aunt Polly is dead set against a bazaar, and the townspeople are afraid of retribution if they support the bazaar. Ed confronts Aunt Polly, who doesn't budge. However, when she goes up to her room, she just has a breakdown. It seems she does have some feelings after all, but she's not going to show them to anyone else, at least not yet. Pollyanna gets a bright idea that one thing Aunt Polly doesn't run is the church. Ed and George ask the Reverend to say something during his sermon. He vehemently declines, claiming he can't take sides. But in reality, he's just as afraid of Aunt Polly as everyone else in town. Pollyanna decides to visit Reverend Ford and give him a message from her aunt. But things don't go as expected during their meeting. Would you like someone to practice your sermon? No, no thank you, child. Uh... Mother and I used to be an audience to my father when he was practicing his sermons. He, he was a minister too, you know. Oh, yes, yes, so he was. Uh, do you like being a minister? Do I like being a... Now, why would you ask a thing like that? The way you looked just then reminded me of my father. Once I saw him sort of sad like that, and I asked him. And what did he say? Hmm. Said he was glad he was. But it made him sad sometimes when he just couldn't seem to get through to his congregation. Sounds familiar. I suppose every minister of God faces the same problem. I suppose. Tell me, did your father ever solve the problem? Well, he read something one day that said helped him. In the Bible? No, just something he read someplace. He had it put on this chain. He wore it always. It's all I have of his. When you look for the bad... It always has to be cross-eyed. May I? Hmm. When you look for the bad in mankind expecting to find it, you surely will. 
Abraham Lincoln. He was the president. Yes, yes, I know. But I never heard that before. Neither of my father. Anyway, he said it started him thinking. And from then on, he was going to look for the good in people. That's when we both started searching for the Bible for the texts. The texts? Yes. You know. My father called them the glad passages. You know. The happy ones, like, um... Uh, shout for joy, or be glad in the Lord. You know, like that. There are 800 happy texts. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Yes, well, there are. And you know, my father said, if God took the trouble to tell us 800 times to be glad and rejoice, he must have wanted us to do it. Oh, I better be going now. I'm sorry I disturbed your practicing. I'll see you later. Uh, goodbye. The note that Pollyanna gave to the Reverend was specific quotes that Aunt Polly wanted the Reverend to read. It was then it hit him. He had to take a stand. And the next day he did. And I don't have the clip, but it shows what great acting was part of this film, which is forgotten since it usually gets written off as a simple Disney movie. But Carl Malden is brilliant in this scene. It's probably the inspiration for the John Lithgow character in Footloose. So the Reverend decides to read 800 uplifting passages from the Bible every week for the rest of his tenure. He's saddened after four years of preaching, he doesn't know the people of his community as he should. He also promotes the bazaar and goes on record supporting it. The whole town seems relieved, except for one person. Aunt Polly won't allow Pollyanna to go to the bazaar, but Jimmy climbs up the giant tree in front of their house to get her to sneak out and attend. The bazaar is a huge success, and the entire town is involved, including Mr. Pentagast and Miss Snow. And then, well, I can't possibly give away the ending if you've never seen the movie. I will say this, Disney movies were far darker in the early days compared to today, which is ironic since Disney gets the tame tag of the revisions of franchises like Star Wars. Anyway, for a movie that gets labeled as corny, you know, Pollyanna, those critical of the film seem to ignore the last part of the movie, which is not expected, and it's incredibly powerful. It's also what makes Pollyanna stand the test of time. And if you do take away something from this film, be kind to people. It's really not that hard, and it's much easier than being miserable all the time. Being miserable takes a ton of effort. Being nice doesn't. The power of positive thinking is very real. All right, some fun facts. So in the movie, Pollyanna has moments of not always being super nice, like her initial reaction to the meeting of Jimmy or how she tells off Miss Snow. This made the film version somewhat more realistic than the book. The book took place in Vermont. In the movie, it was a fictional town built by the Harringtons. The so-called glad game was originally referenced constantly in the book. In the movie, it's definitely referenced, but it's more subtle and picks the right moments. And Haley Mills really had magic to the role of selling the character. This was the type of movie that adults and kids alike could get something out of. And that's a delicate balance that is incredibly tough to pull off, and Pollyanna does. The supposed Abraham Lincoln quote that was in the film was not real. The director just wrote it for the movie. The prism scene that was in the book and a key part of the film uh, was great, but Haley Mills' eyes were like lighting up when she saw everything is really what made the scene. Carl Malden actually came into the studio two weeks before his contract told him to and rehearsed all of his long speeches to best prepare for his role. And that is the consummate professional. And all of his speeches from the film were not in the original novel. 
The director, David Swift, said he would have cut the movie a bit more for pacing, coming from a TV background. He would have cut about 20 minutes, he said. But Walt Disney did not want to cut a thing. Which is ironic, since he was known for always being economical with his runtimes, at least for his animated films. He cried almost after every viewing of the dailies. He absolutely loved Pollyanna. So the movie was actually shot in 1959, and Jane Wyman was such a huge Los Angeles Dodgers fan that shooting stopped for a few hours during one of the games during the World Series when the Dodgers were playing the White Sox. The Dodgers eventually won that World Series in 1959, four games to two. So when this movie performed below expectations at the box office, Walt Disney put out his theory for the movie's disappointing performance, and he said, I think the picture would have done better with a different title. Girls and women went to it, but men tended to stay away because it sounded too sweet and sticky. And Patty Duke auditioned for the part of Pollyanna, but as great of an actress as she was, she couldn't match Taylor Mills. All right, and as Walt Disney just said, look, if this movie might be for some, but not all, but give it a shot. I think people, again, got the misconception about, oh, this is just a corny Disney movie and it's old and it's a girl's movie or whatever. It's a great movie. It really is. And I think adults will appreciate it a little bit more than, than some kids because it is long. And I remember as a kid, it was a bit too long, but now it flowed perfectly for me. All right. I will be back next week for yet another random movie from my DVD collection. Come hang out and chill with Brianny Davis and the Bad Beat. Wednesdays, 11 p.m. Eastern, right here on ThatMetalStation.com. <laughs>